This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 225, Comic Reviews of the Week of Wednesday, December the 3rd. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm Adam Chapman, the host, and this is our reviews episode for the, for the comics that were released Wednesday, December the 3rd. Uh, this is going to be, um, I, I say this a lot, but this is going to be a quicker episode. Um, I was about sitting down to record today, and I was like, oh, let's see which comics I read last week, and I kind of put them all in a pile, and I realized, oh, that's a very small pile. Um, so I actually had a chance to read six books I was working on the weekend, so unable to read as much as normal. So only six books to talk about this week, and surprisingly four DC, two Marvel. Uh, let's just jump right in, why don't we? Uh, first up, we have Action Comics. This is issue number 37. Uh, it's by Greg Pak, Aaron Cooter, I believe is the artist, um, making a... Yeah, it is Aaron Cooter. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's continuing this kind of weird storyline of them kind of being trapped in... Uh, in Smallville, and uh, everyone's kind of acting a little strange. Things aren't what they seem. Um, I like Superman with a beard. I actually, I actually dug this issue. Just the fact that Superman is trying to struggle against this entity, this cloud, um, this cloud now being able to, I guess, now leave Smallville. Um, I kind of like the uh, the um, further development of the Steel and Lana Lang relationship. Um, I've been very critical of Greg Pak's run on Action Comics. I am enjoying this storyline a lot more than I initially thought I would. Um, I remember, like, I think the first kind of issue that was kind of leading into this event, I was really like, I don't think I'm going to like this. And I Maybe I was just being pessimistic, but um, it didn't feel like something I was going to be super jazzed about. But um, I like Aaron Cooter's kind of clean, polished take of the characters. I like his take on a, a bearded Superman. I actually think that really works. Um, it's a, it's a cool visual. It uh, definitely adds something to the character, um, and, and maybe a gravitas that maybe he doesn't normally have with his armor and everything. But um, I, I actually enjoyed this. Um, I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Uh, next up is All New X Factor, which I think I read. Um, All New X Factor seventeen. Okay, I did read this. Um, it's by Peter David and Carmine D J Domenico. Now the series is almost over, but. Um, it's kind of a, it's an Axis tie-in. You have Longshot and Sunfire going up against uh, X Factor, which is cool to see. Although I'm not a huge fan of the design of uh, Longshot here, but that's not really DJ Domenico's fault necessarily. Um, I did like uh, how Sunfire looked, and I mean it's basically the AOA costume, which is probably the best design for the character ever. Uh, the last page definitely interesting. Um, to see how kind of Quicksilver gets removed from X Factor and thrown into what's going on with Magneto, although that final page I didn't really get what was going on with the helmet. Like I don't, I don't know why it was kind of a weird kind of deconstructed helmet kind of hovering around Magneto's head. I didn't really get that. Um, the series remains a joy. Um, it's really sad that it's ending, um, but at least we'll have like you know a nice what three and a half trades or something uh, to kind of look at afterwards when it's all done. Uh, to collect the entire thing. I mean, I've been buying it in singles and in trade. I want to, so I wanted to support the book as much as possible. It's unfortunate that it's coming to a you know an end, but uh, it's a it's a good book and it's it's worth going back and reading. I think part of what probably killed it was the overshipping. Um, they were shipping it for a lot of the time. I, I think the entire time, uh, twice a month, and I I just think that's too much for a book where people like it, they're going to read it, but uh, it's not Amazing Spider-Man. It's not all new X-Men. It's not like a a huge book, uh, which maybe is part of the problem. Um, I mean, they wanted it to be something, and I think if you're trying to get new readers, 
making them commit to two issues a month is kind of a, a, a dicey proposition at best. Uh, so I give it an eight, which is not surprising because that's one of my favorite ratings, as I've been told many, many, many times on the show before uh, by prior guests um, Amber Struck, Nathan Struck, and uh, Paul Scores. They often make fun of the fact that it seems like I give everything eights. But really, it's because they hated Red She-Hulk, and I gave it an 8, and I had it on a Book of the Month episode maybe like a year and a bit ago, a year and a half ago at least. Uh, it's been a long time since we've done one of those. I would like to get another one done at some point, but it's just very difficult with scheduling now. We're all in three different cities. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal 35, which remains consistently entertaining. Um, it, it Actually, I mean, this issue especially, like I really don't even know where they go from here, but it's exciting. Uh, it's definitely feeling like... It's unfortunate the end game is coming up because you kind of have an idea what kind of things look like afterwards. But um, here, I just think it's a really cool concept um, to kind of strip Batman away from everything and seeing how that's happening. Uh, it's uh, stories by Scott Snyder and James Tinney the Fourth. James Tinney the Fourth does the script. Uh, consulting writers were Tim Seeley, Kyle Higgins, and Ray Fox. And uh, artwork by, was by Fernando Blanco, which I actually thought was a really good take on it. Um, you have Lucius uh, meeting with Bruce Wayne. Um, the fact that you know Wayne Enterprises is basically gone, uh, everything, the, all the money's gone, everything's gone. You have Jason Bard that blowing up all the safe houses that he's finding that Batman has. They're able to hack into Batman's car uh, with Lucius Fox's help, um, and it looks like you know Batman's about to die. Although I'm sure he won't. Uh, we're finding out more and more about uh, why Jason Bard has such an axe to grind with Batman. Um, I actually, I really dug this. Again, it, it moved things along nicely. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with it necessarily, but I think that's part of the fun, part of the excitement. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it remains a solid, interesting read. Now that we've gotten rid of some of the weird supernatural stuff, it's allowing it to focus on, I think, the, the aspects of the series which are stronger and are uh, part of the reason of why I started list, uh, reading in the first place. Although I hope at some point we get back to Gordon. Because I, I do want, I, I don't know how they're going to get Gordon out. And I don't know who's really behind everything if it's not Hush. But it's interesting that they revealed it wasn't Hush. I mean, it definitely changes things and uh, makes things a little bit more exciting and unpredictable as opposed to just having a Hush Redux. Uh, then we have Green Lantern 37, uh, which is actually technically no. Uh, before I talk about Green Lantern 37, I'm going to talk about Sinestro number 7. Because uh, Sinestro number 7 is actually, chronologically speaking, comes before it. Uh, as Sinestro number 7 is uh, Godhead, what is it, Act 2, uh, Part 5. Uh, it's written by Colin Bunn. Now, what was really interesting to me, I, saw, I was digging the art, it was different take than I'm looking. I'm used to seeing on this book, uh, but all I kept thinking was, man, it looks like a lot like Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah, well, that's because it is. Um, so, uh, this chapter is uh, done by... Colin Bunn with Ethan Van Skyver providing the artwork. It's really nice to see Skyver's, uh, Van Skyver's artwork again. It's been a little while since I've seen kind of new stuff from him. Um, the colorist is doing an amazing job in this book as well. Um, I can't seem to find a credit page, but if I find one, uh, I will definitely indicate who gets the credit for the colors, because the colors look great. Um, I mean, they just pop off right off the page. I mean, the, the pencils by Van Skyver alone are fantastic, but there's just something about the colors, uh, which reminds me of like when he did, um, oh god, what was it? Um, I can't find a, a credit page. Anyway, <coughs> when, when he was doing uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, they kind of had this feel. Now, that being said, I do not like the cover. I think it's a, I don't know what's going on here. It's, I don't, I don't even think it's by him. I think it's by someone else. 
Um, or is it? I don't even know. But it just looks like such a mess. Like the it's it, it's a terrible cover, but the interiors are fantastic, um, and it really projects the story along. I love how Sinestro's being written, um, having like kind of the the uh, descent between the Sinestro Corps and the Galantic Corps is interesting. Now, strictly speaking, there, there's not a lot of plot development here. There's a little bit more like kind of infighting and characterization, but I think it makes sense for where what this book has been doing and the type of story it's been telling that it feels like a natural outgrowth to, to go this way. And the fact that the Green Lanterns look at, at um, Stranachlan 2 as a bit of a traitor, uh, even though there's a lot more going on than they realize. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10, mostly because the artwork, but the, stro- the story is still strong. Um, not as strong as maybe previous issues, but the artwork by Vince Skyver is great. Very different tone, though, than what we were used to seeing by, I think, it was Eagle Sham. Uh, so very different. Uh, then we have Green Lantern 37. And Green Lantern 37 is Godhead Act 3, Part 1. Uh, you have Robert Venditti and, uh, writing it with Francis Portella on art. Um, Portella's artwork is alright. It's not my favorite take on Green Lantern. Uh, at times it feels like it glosses over some of the details I like to see, especially in the costumes, etc. Um, it definitely is moving things forward, though, because you have Hal recruiting Black Hand to go up against Orion uh, at the Source Wall. Um, Black Hand's realizing things about the Source Wall that definitely makes him excited. Uh, you have um, Sinestro and the rest of the Green Lanterns are all kind of captive right now. Uh, very, I, I thought this was a good chapter. Not nearly as good as uh, Sinestro, number 7, but still good. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. And last, but definitely not least, we have Hulk number 9 as we continue the Omega Hulk uh, storyline. It's kind of a a fun little diversion. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. It's uh, written by Mark... uh, Sorry, not Mark Wade. It hasn't been written by Mark Wade for a while. Written by Jerry Dugan, who I think is really nailing this book. Uh, Mark Bagley doing the pencils. And instead of having him confronting another... Uh, Hulk-like character. Instead, he goes to uh, to meet up with the X-Men, and because he needs uh, Kitty Pryde's assistance to uh, to get rid of a tumor in his brain. Uh, it's very kind of interesting to see what happens here. Uh, I love Kitty's whole like phasing into his brain and ripping out like, this piece. Uh, seeing Hulk turn back into Banner again, but he's done enough um, uh, countermeasures to make sure that Hulk, sorry, that Bruce Banner can't escape. And by the time he's, you know, then he just, they're able to get him angry, and then he turns back into Hulk. Uh, very interesting, and then the fact that Hulk is having kind of dreams of being the maestro. Um, so then in the current continuity, decides that maybe he's going to grow a beard, and they're definitely going in a certain direction. Very cool, uh, very character-centric. Some nice Kitty Pride moments as well, but the uh, Hulk and Bruce Banner moments were very strong. Um, and I like that it kind of slowed the pace. Instead of going too quickly and and going right into another fight uh it was a lot slower and more about who is this character and developing that like the struggles that he's going through at this moment so i'm gonna give it a nine i thought it was just a fantastic read so the list of books i didn't get a chance to read are huge um books that came out that i haven't had a chance to read include the following aquaman and the others number eight detective comics 37 earth 2 number 29 earth 2 world's end number nine ferris 32 flash season zero number three gotham academy number three grayson number five green arrow 37 hinterkind 13 injustice gods among us year three number five justice league 3000 number 12 lobo number three looney tunes 222 names number four new 52 features end number 31 secret six number one really can't wait to read that i'm scared though Swamp Thing 37, Wolf Moon number 1, Angela Asgard's Assassin number 1, 
Axis Revolutions number three, Captain America, Peggy Carter, Agent of Shield number one, Deadpool thirty eight, Death of Wolverine, Weapon X Program number three, Guardians three thousand number three, Inhuman number nine, Iron Fist, Living Weapon number seven, Legendary Star Lord number six, Men of Wrath by Jason Aaron number three, and Thanos versus Hulk number one. Um, looking forward to what's coming out this later on this week on the tenth of December. Uh, some of the highlights. Um, include, let me just take a look at what's coming out, uh, Divine Right, The Adventures of Max Faraday, Train Paperback, um, there's the Harley Quinn Holiday Special, um, there's the Nightwing Train Paperback Volume 5, Setting Sun, which is, I believe, the last trade before it becomes Grayson, uh, there's the Red Hood and the Outlaws Train Paperback Volume 5, The Big Picture, as well as the Superman Unchained Deluxe Edition Hardcover, uh, which could be interesting, I never picked, I never really read much of that series, I don't know if I've heard a lot of good things, though, so... Uh, I, I'm open to be, if you know. If, well, let me know if it's worth reading because uh, I'll definitely pick it up if it's worth it. But otherwise, I'll just steer clear. Um, then looking at uh, let's see, Marvel. Uh, we have Amazing Spider-Man 11 coming out, which is the next chapter of Spider-Verse, which I'm excited about. Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One. I haven't heard anything about this, so I'm really fearing it. Uh, you have an Amazing X-Men tie-in to Axis. I didn't even know they were going to have a tie-in. Uh, you have a new chapter of Time Runs Out in uh, Avengers 39. Axis number 7 drops out. Uh, an Axis tie-in in Avengers World comes out. you got Axis Carnage number 3. Um, and what else do you got coming out? You have the uh, Marvel Masterworks Mighty Thor Hardcover Volume 13. You have the Mighty Avengers Trade Paperback Volume 3 Original Sin, Not Your Father's Avengers. Uh, new issues of Nightcrawler, Punisher, and Rocket Raccoon. The first trade paperback of Savage Hulk is coming out by Alan Davis, which I thought was a lot of fun. Although I feel like it's overpriced based on what was in it. You have the launch of Spider-Man and the X-Men number one. You have Spider-Verse Team-Up number two. Uh, and then you have Uncanny X-Men Annual, uh, X-Force 13, and X-Men 22, as well as the Wolverine Epic Collection, simply titled Magipore Knights. So that is everything for this week. Thank you for joining us for this episode, or joining me for this episode of Comic Shenanigans. This has been episode 225, and we'll see you next time with episode 226. Uh, I'm not really sure what that episode will be yet, but I'm sure it'll be awesome. Uh, you can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate or review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also post in our HROMS threads when I eventually get around to posting those again. Uh, thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.